where might we find opportunities for our students to engage in culture, even to, to like to disagree or, mm -hmm. or to go out of our classroom to see what non-compliance looks like? Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name's Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGrill. And I'm Dave Mulder. Friends, welcome to the hallway. Dave, Abby, and I are three friends and colleagues who have fun discussing different aspects of education and what it might mean to teach Christianly. This whole project started about a year ago when Dave and I were literally talking in the hallway and one of us had the audacity to suggest a podcast. Even more audacious, we actually followed through. Things were a little bit off the rails for a while until Abby joined a few months into this <laughs> adventure. Right. And now suddenly we are beginning year two. Thanks for being with us. Dave and Abby, in a few weeks, we're going to begin a four to five week book talk based on Lynn Swanner and Andy Wolf's wonderful new book called Flourishing Together, A Christian Vision for Students, Educators, and Schools. We're sharing this with our listeners because we want to invite them to join us. Friends, if you would like to join us, please purchase a book and read along with us each week. We'll give more information in the next week or so, but we wanted to give you a heads up and encourage you to read along with us and even submit questions for us as you read. Dave will put a link to the book in the show notes. That's right. So Dave and Abby, in thinking about books, and this is that is a wonderful book, and I'm enjoying it so much. Uh, we've kind of had a check-in question the last few weeks. So today's question, uh, check-in question is book-related. What book or book series do you wish you could read over for the first time? Ooh. So think of a book or book series that you wish that you were holding for the first time and you had no idea what was about to unfold. Oh boy. Uh, okay, so I think I've got the series that I would choose. Okay. I, I would choose C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. That was on yeah. my list. Was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just love those stories so much. Mm -hmm. And I can remember the first time I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, I, that was a formative experience yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. I love fantasy anyway, but the allegory aspect of it just makes it a whole different kind of story, yeah. too. And I just love those books. Do you, rem do you remember about what age you read it for the first time? I would have read Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe when I was in third or fourth grade. Mm -hmm. For the first time, and yeah. did you love it right away? I did immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's one that we've done it read aloud to our kids when they were little. Um, yeah, I just I find those stories are just so compelling. Yeah, every one of them. There's not a bad one in the whole the whole batch. I reread the whole thing when I was in college. Oh yeah. Yeah, which was super interesting to go back and revisit it at like a different yeah. developmental stage. Mm -hmm. I remember reading it out loud to our, our kids too, mm -hmm. just over like literally it felt like a, a couple of years, but just mm -hmm. loved reading it and seeing them experience it mm -hmm. for the first time. Yeah. I was thinking about as I was thinking about this question, my initial reaction was going to be oh like like Harry Potter, like oh, I yeah. and part of it is we were we were you know I was in mid twenties, we were living in Montana, and it's the only book series or book that I can remember like knowing the day it was coming out yeah. and, and driving about 20, 30 minutes into Bozeman, where, you know, yep. the closest mm -hmm. city to buy the book, like just being that enamored, enamored by it. So that would be my, that'd be my easy answer. The, the other one's maybe a little more unusual. It goes back to grade one or two, and it was um, Beverly Cleary's, like the Henry Huggins oh, yeah. Yeah. series. Those are great. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I, the reason I was thinking about that is because that's the first 
book series I ever re- I read, and I was just starting to learn to read, and I just found it so, like, I had no idea that you could have, like, the same character in multiple books. Sure. I, just, I just remember just loving that so so much, even at that age, sort of like, oh, what's going to happen to this to this guy? And feeling mm-hmm. like he almost became a friend. So, you know, I was going to go with Harry Potter, but I'll, I'll go with Henry Huggins on this one. I'm just going to go with pure delight here instead of like profound answers, if that's okay. Um, I remember just tearing through the Hunger Games and being like, I think I read read the first one in like a day and a half, right? And I read them after all three were out. And so I just immediately. Back to back to back. Oh yeah, for sure. Like (laughs) um, I was just talking about that with someone else today. And so that, because it was, it was just so different and, something about the characters and the relatability to that and just the thinking through the dystopian yeah. elements yeah. of that was it was amazing it, it was yeah. so good yeah right yeah. and totally. so I, I have vivid memories of that so that i think would probably be my choice awesome yeah. friends if, if you have a, a memory of a book or a book series or that you wish you could read over for the first time or you got any feedback or questions for us for the for the podcast, email us at hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Dave, I believe you have a question from a, a listener. It was either yes. audio or via email. No, I, I got one via email today. Okay. This is from a listener, but it's also our next door neighbor here in the hallway. <laughs> our, right. our colleague Ed Starkenberg uh, asked us this question. So here's the question Ed asked. I understand the issues related to teaching for compliance, but... What do we and our students miss if we don't ever emphasize compliance? Should we prepare students for aspects of life that expect our compliance, whether or not we agree? Thanks, Ed, for that question. And, I mean, I have opinions on this, right? Um, I've talked before about my disdain for crappy homework that's assigned for compliance, and I think there's a lot of things that we... um, traditionally have done in education where we think, well, we're going to make you do it whether you like it or not because it's good for you and it builds character and things like that. And I always want to check that impulse because there's a part of me that says, I do want my students to comply, right? Like I do, I do want my students to comply, but I don't think that's the point. I, I, I don't think it's about that. So I really appreciate this question from Ed asking that, right? What do we mean? Hey, can, can I ask you just a question just in, in regards to what you said, yeah. when you say you want your students to comply, right. what, what do you mean by that? And like, what, what are you wanting in Sure. That? Thank you for asking yeah. that. So I, when I say I want students to comply, I recognize that I ask my students to do a lot of what might okay. be strange things. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you take it in the abstract, like all the weird things that I'm doing in class and I just want them to play along. I ask right. that you do yeah. these things, right? Um, and okay, maybe I'm a little unconventional as an instructor, so that maybe feels that way. But I think all teachers have that to some degree. We have expectations for our students. We want them to do certain things so that they will learn certain things. And so when I say I want my students to comply, I guess what I'm getting at there is saying, play along. The things that you're expected to do or asked to do, do those things, Mm -hmm. right? But also trust that there's a reason for those, which I know you as a teacher well enough to know that there is. Right. Right. Yeah. And I always joke with students in Intro to Ed, too, like, we do a lot of weird stuff in Intro to Ed, and I say, there's a method to the madness. If you're ever wondering why I'm doing what I'm doing, just ask, because I will mm-hmm. be very clear about it. But sometimes I forget to tell them. And so maybe that's on us as teachers, too, when we're asking students right. to do things. Like, we should be that transparent with them. That's to something say, I've gotten better at since I've come to college. Yeah. 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 
And I think teaching at the college level mm -hmm. is different sometimes because it kind of works at two. I'm teaching the content, but I'm also teaching these future teachers how to yeah. be teachers. And so I've got to do both of those at the same time. Mm -hmm. But my question, like I understand it's a question. My, my question is, what are we missing when we, when we uh, don't teach for compliance? I guess I, I would turn it around and say, how often aren't we teaching for compliance? And I guess that, like I think in so much, we, we want them to comply. We hope they comply. Um, often if they don't comply, there can be issues around learning, behavior. So there is an expectation of compliance. But I guess my, the, reason I, the reason I sometimes try to think about not teaching for compliance is simply because I, I think what we're, what we're asking of students is don't think deeply. Just accept and receive. Like it's mm -hmm. such a transactional yeah. It's such a transactional thing, and my, my worry is when we, when there's so much compliance in so much of what we do in school, and, and there needs to be to a certain degree, right? Like the bell rings to come in from recess. Students need to comply right. with that, yeah. right? Come on in, kids. They, they got to be there from this time in the morning, and they got to bring this, and they got to do that. Like, like what I I don't I imagine already so much of the day is focused on on, on compliance. My, my worry is when so much of school is is about already complying, mm -hmm. should, we shouldn't be surprised then when students go out into the world and all they do is comply. And and my yeah. wonder about it then is how do we how do we um, educate our students to be shapers and formers of culture to engage culture, mm -hmm. which actually which actually in my mind calls for a level of non compliance yeah, right. When all yeah. we've done is taught them to comply. Like yeah. I can remember this as a teacher, right? Like you you want to set up a, a debate in class or you hope students respond to a, a provocative question mm -hmm. and, and they sort of sit and look at me like, well, you want me to disagree? And it's, and you hope for that and sometimes they, they go for it, right? And yeah. you have this, this rigorous class discussion. On the other hand, maybe we shouldn't be as surprised that they don't disagree or that, you know, we, we want them to make mistakes, you know, hey, we want this to be free and take risks and make mistakes. Should we be surprised when they're not so willing to do that when so much of our system is actually about doing yes. what we want? Yeah. I remember the first time that I, I taught a senior English class and I remember I purposefully gave them a badly written yeah. op-ed. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, and we were we were looking at logical fallacies, yeah. and it was the first time that someone looked at me and that it dawned on them that they didn't have to agree with everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. they read. Just yeah. just because the teacher says I should read this doesn't, doesn't mean I have to agree. Yeah. Like like yeah. the look of dawning on their face yeah. that they were allowed to question mm. something in front of them, and so mm. I think and no one ever said to them you have to comply with yeah. it like it's just baked in yeah, yeah. right yeah. it was they had never considered the possibility before yeah. Yeah. um that something put in front of them wasn't mm -hmm. right so yeah so or yeah and, that, and that's and that's my wonder so i understand it. it's question right what yeah. is yeah. lost when we don't teach for compliance but i th i think whether we want to or not we're if education is formation Mm -hmm. I I think the system is mm -hmm. set up for compliance mm -hmm. from from, yeah, from kindergarten to post secondary and and again it 
it has to be at some level. Like when you when it I doesn't go, work if it's not. Totally. Yes. When I go watch um, Heidi Walters was a good for a magical grade one teacher. So much of her time, rightly so, in beautiful and wonder, wonderful ways, was trying to set up protocols and procedures yes. in her classroom right. for compliance. Not to turn them into robots, but because if you don't do that with six-year-olds, yeah. how do you want to be a teaching grade one no. anymore? Like you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't do it. So, yep. so on, the, on that, so I understand its question, and that's where for me it's. Where might we find opportunities for our students to engage in culture, even to, to like to disagree or mm -hmm. or to go out of our classroom to see what non-compliance looks like? I, I can remember, you know, this is yeah, quite a few years ago, um, a, a social justice teacher taking a bunch of students in, into the city where I was living at um, because there was a, there was a, a bunch of pe a group of people. Um, who were basically living in tents, kind of in the grass, and oh, like yeah. in a protest. And they, you know, he said, "We're going to go down there and figure out why are they non-compliant, why the acts of non-compliance." And I think about that often, right? Like, where do we get them to engage with the non-compliance? Yeah. Because I feel like so much of it is is about compliance. So, how do we teach our students to disagree? What to disagree well and so this is my wondering too right yeah. like there is a time and a place that, like indoctrination has such negative connotations yeah. right but i think like there is a sense if i'm indoctrinating students like i'm trying to shape them in a particular way yeah. and there is a time and a place for that is there also a time and a place to teach them to think critically and to analyze arguments and pick apart somebody and and to yes i think yeah. i think we want both of those things to happen in yeah. schools and so to pick up on that i guess from ed's question here too like what do students miss if we don't emphasize compliance well i mean to be a functioning member of society there are times where you have to just be able to get along with people yeah. around you and and so that's i think part of of the answer and do to unpleasant tasks in the service of a greater goal yeah right, right. But that but they, that makes me wonder what because what are we missing when we don't teach for non-compliance yeah. what, what are right what are yeah, it should be both totally right, right? like if, if i think what does it what does it mean to, this okay this sounds really pious but if i think you know what does it look like to be to model um, the way of Jesus in the world, like mm. he, he didn't seem very Christ did not <laughs> seem very compliant to me, and I say that yeah, loving Jesus, loving Jesus, <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. He he was so non-compliant. In fact, his his non-compliance, you know, led to his crucifixion. Right, that yeah. he wouldn't play along with the culture oh, and if you look at his teaching like his whole kingdom yeah. is upside down yeah. right so, whatever the world values that's the opposite yeah. in so, Christ's kingdom. so i right. want so i guess my wonder my wonder and we're thinking aloud here because we yeah. did not spend time talking no. about this before my wonder is if if we if our students miss out on being also educated for non-compliance because i think the compliance thing we got covered yeah, right. i'm actually not worried about that <laughs> yeah but but if if we're not, if we miss out on teaching for non-compliance, um, is there a potential then that our students are not experiencing what it means to to love mercy and justice and and walk humbly with our God in a very different way, in a in a beautiful but non-compliant way, um, to be advocates for those 
um, who don't, you know, to not just be a voice for the voice, but to raise the voices of people whose voices are unheard. Like those are radical acts of non-compliance, I think. Um, and we live in a culture, even even as Christians, which is focused on compliance. It's right, like get in line, so to right. speak. Right. Follow the rules. Uh, follow the rules, right? Whether that's in school or or in our faith. So, so yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's. Yeah. Can I, can I turn the conversation a little yeah. bit here? So uh, something you said, Abby, reminded me of just the other day on Twitter. Uh, my friend Matt Vinscapen, who teaches at a local school here, uh, and he tagged me in a tweet uh, with some others. But here's here's the tweet. I'll just read it aloud to you here. So thank you, Matt, for this one too. Um, here's the pair of tweets that he says. When it comes to education, should the goal be to inspire a love of learning through every lesson, unit, and subject? This could be well-planned activities, engaging questions, or clearly articulated goals and meaning. Or are there topics where the focus isn't uh, present and we teach students that there are parts of this, their school day where the work will be hard, difficult, and painful, preparing them for a life where not every part of their jobs or their lives are rewarding or fulfilling? And I think it's both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like I think the, my, my response to that tweet was something along the lines of, well, I've got to ask what the question, and I know I always say it here, but what's the learning target, right? Yeah. I don't think teaching for perseverance is usually... The learning target, like bearing down when things are unpleasant. I don't think that's usually the learning target. And it's, it could be a byproduct. Right. It could be a, right. It could be an output, but it's not necessarily the goal. Right. And and that's kind of where I was going yeah. with this too, right? Like if if my my heart is in teaching students, like they're going to delight in this content, they're going to be inspired in this content. I think that's probably what I'm aiming for more often. Mm -hmm. But along the way, will they learn how to work hard? And will they learn how to persevere even when things get difficult? Well, I hope so, because sometimes, even if it's something they delight in, that doesn't mean the work is easy. It just means it's enjoyable, even if you're right. working hard. Right. I, I think. Yeah, I, if I think about that in my if I think about that in my own learning journey, which has been not easy at times yeah. for me, especially when I was younger, I would I would say I learned the places I learned about perseverance and grit and stick-to-itiveness like mm -hmm. keep going was was in the areas where I loved what I was doing it was like man it was mm -hmm. it wasn't I mean it was easy but it you just, loved it so much you I loved stick it with so it. much yeah. right that I, I, I stuck with it right? as someone and, who recently completed a dissertation yeah. I can hey right identify with you, that, you, right? you love it the work but you grind it out I don't think I could do that if it wasn't, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. There's definitely perseverance involved. Right? Yeah, and I do yeah. think that. If I, if, and I think about that with myself, right? So the byproduct in doing what I loved, even though it didn't come easy and learning perseverance and grit in those moments, then allowed me when I got to moments in my life where I didn't love it, to also then lean into the perseverance yeah. and, and grit. Um, you know, like I can think of, there's some horrible summer jobs where I was just like, oh my <laughs> word, like this, right? You do, you have, you've learned those along the way. And um, I guess I just, I understand the question. I, I guess it's, it's more the suggestion that um, we're, le we're learning those things through un unpleasant yeah. tasks or that, it, and yeah, there's an element of that, but do we also, yeah, do we want school to be unpleasant? I'm not saying it would. Yeah, that's, that, that's not the learning target. That's not the learning <laughs> yeah. target, right? And there is. Like, you know, like I can remember having to do unpleasant tasks sure. in school around spelling and penmanship and 
dotting eyes till. Oh, I love Kenmen. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Why am I not surprised by that, Abby? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was shock- awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> in a shocking revelation by Abby the Jew. Um, no, so, I get the question, right? Yeah. Because there is going to be elements of school that, no matter what, right? Some people are going to love the penmanship. Yeah. Some people aren't going to love, yeah. like, aren't going to, right? And and but again, is is the target to teach them perseverance? The target ultimately is to teach them to be to be um, clear communicators, right? right. Um, to, to honor God through yeah the gift of language and things like that. Do they have to love it all the time? No. Um, but I but I also feel like hey, is there a way of can I make this even as a teacher more enjoyable yes. for whom the kids it's it's hard, okay. right? So I'm gonna share with you guys wisdom from Grandpa Mulder. My okay. my grandpa Mulder, he was the yeah. custodian of the Christian school that I went to. Yeah. And everybody knew Mr. Mulder, right? He was yeah. he was just that kind of presence. Um, but something we learned even as grandkids, work is fun. Yeah. Work mm-hmm. is fun. And he did his work as a custodian for the school to God's glory, right? Yeah. Like that was it. And he took delight in the things he did. Like even the crappy parts of yeah. cleaning the school after kids who yeah. don't take care. And he would say, work is fun. And he would say, this is part of, you know, I delight in what I get to do yeah. with, with all this. So of course that's yeah. colored how I think, because I used to yeah. go clean the school with Grandpa when I was after yeah. school, right? But I think there's something to that. And, and for us, thinking about what we're doing as educators, like if we are so bent on making kids comply, we're going to make them do what we want yeah. them to do here, how are they ever going to learn that sense of delighting yeah. in things too, right? And so no, for sure. work, work can be fun too. Yeah. It doesn't right. have to be drudgery no. Right. And, and it can serve a bigger purpose, right? It can be, it can also teach that idea of service toward something yes. larger. right, right. Yeah. yeah, like I'm part of it. I'm part, I'm part of something, of something. bigger, mm-hmm. right? I have responsibilities here. I do need to do need to contribute, and I get all of that. But, but I am th- I am thankful for the teachers in my life who, at times, when it was hard for me, and I was learning things like perseverance and mm-hmm. grit, also tried to meet me where I was at in my misery, and tried to lighten my load, lighten my load a little bit, because that's also a powerful example yes. to me, right? To say like, I know this is hard for you. How can we work mm-hmm. at this together? And learning things like like charity and grace, what that mm-hmm. looks like is also a, a really powerful model. Definitely. Friends, we know that your time is valuable. We want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. So whether it is this day, this week, or this month, we hope the Lord give you what you stand in need of. And as you head into this week, we want to send you with this blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. Got one more. I was just thinking, Abby, your book choice that you said, The Hunger Games, it's like an exercise in non compliance. It is. The oh. whole book, right? Whole thing. Yeah. Oh, all right. You can add it. You can right, add just it. Non compliance in The Hunger Games. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Righteous non compliance.